Check one, two, one, two. What's up, y'all? I am pretty excited for this episode of Straight Up Intentional. It is a topic that I love to discuss because it is something that I struggled with a long, for a long, long, long time, literally. And I know it's something that people still continue to struggle with. So I am going to talk to you guys about healing your relationship with food and just how to become more present and intentional when you are going into your nutrition and your eating and all of those things so you can get off the fad diet cycle and start to make real change in your life. Welcome to the Straight Up Intentional Podcast. This is your host, Diane, and on this podcast, we're going to talk everything faith, fitness, and mindset, and how to live an intentional life. I was 15 when I went on my first fad diet. I have told you guys this many times. I was a chubby kid. I have been told I was a chubby kid literally since I was a little kid. It was very obvious to me that I didn't look like my sisters or my cousins or my friends that ate very much the same things, and that led to a really unhealthy relationship with food. I think my unhealthy, like going to food for comfort or going to food for relief or going to food because it felt good, literally started at a young age. I would say eight years old. I was already trying to like sneak things because it felt good to eat those things. And I think that's very normal. Well, not normal, but very relatable. I think a lot of people can relate to that. When I was 15, I remember, I think I was grounded. I was like 15. I was in the summer of my junior year and I realized like, okay, I don't feel good about myself. I'm grounded. So there's really nothing else I can do. Why don't I just decide to go start running around the block? And it started very innocently. Like I just need to get out of here. I can't watch TV. I can't, I don't think we had phones yet. So I can't be on the phone on the house phone. I can't call my friends. I'm not allowed to use the house phone and I'm not allowed to watch TV. So I'm going to go for a run. And it started very innocently. But, you know, I started to see like, oh, I'm like looking a little bit thinner. So now I'm going to like kind of exaggerate this. And then that's when the food came in. It started off as like very, very disordered eating, like just like not eating or waiting to eat or eating very little when I did eat. And that's kind of how it started. But then I realized that wasn't sustainable. So I think when I went back to school, my junior year, I I lost 40 pounds. I was 120 pounds. And on this body, it looked (laughs) a little funky because I'm just not meant to be 120 pounds. Let me just tell you that. I went from like a size 13, okay, size 13. I was a freaking teenager and I was a size 13 to like a size four in a matter of months. And I was young. I was a baby. And I went back to school and of course everybody noticed and stuff like that. And then I started to binge and purge. I'm just going to straight up say what it is. I would basically eat and then purge. And I had friends that knew about it. I actually had friends that would even cover for me because I just was so into my, I guess, addiction or disorder that I would 
literally tell people about it and like help make them help me hide it. And it got to a point where my parents found out about it for sure. Both of them figured it out. Um, and my parents are not together. So this is in two separate households that they're figuring this out and collectively like decided like, okay, we really need to watch this girl. She's a little cray cray. And, um, so I, that I battled that disorder for years, years, maybe not as often, maybe not as exaggerated, but it was definitely something that I would revert to if I felt like I ate too much, if I felt too full or disgusted, it was just like a go-to thing that I would do. And then I became a teenager or a young adult, I should say. And then I didn't think about dieting or any of that for like years because I was in my party phase. So I mean, I barely was eating anyway. I was probably eating like ramen and hot Cheetos and was fine because I was in my early 20s. And then when I was pregnant with my daughter, I got my first little health craze moment. And it was because I was pregnant with a human being. I did like a bunch of research of like what I should be eating, what's healthy. At that time, it was like switch your flour for wheat, switch your white bread for wheat, switch your rice for quinoa, all those things. So I did that and I learned to cook healthy foods. I've always cooked, by the way. I've cooked since I was 15 years old. I love cooking. It's a passion of mine. It's something I considered being as like a career. My email, my first Gmail ever that I still have is Chef DJO. I love to cook. It's not something that's a chore to me. It's something that I can be creative in and I lose myself in. So I enjoy it. So I was pregnant with my daughter and I learned to start making like healthy switches, right? And that lasted my pregnancy. I also did juice cleanses and all that good stuff. I'm telling you, I've tried it all. After I had my daughter, I was approached by an Herbalife person and it was a really bad experience because they basically invited me to a hike so that they could sell me a product and I fell for it because I was a young, just postpartum mom and I felt very robbed at the end of it because I didn't even take the product. I didn't even like know what the heck I just bought and I was like newly postpartum. My daughter was probably like six weeks old. I went on this hike thinking like this is going to be my comeback and I and like paying $150 for a package. That wasn't the last time I tried it. It was just the way that it, they went about it was wrong. And then after that, I did not diet again for a few years. I ended up being 23 in my next phase where I realized like, oh gosh, you have let yourself go. And it was the stress of life. I was not doing the right things. I was not around the right people. We That's another conversation for another day. We'll talk about that in my sober journey. How about that? Because it was just not the business. I was just not doing what you're supposed to be doing. And I was very, very unhealthy. So um, this is where the fit club comes in. I am starting to like lose weight. I think I've I've already told this story. I was in a, in a healthy relationship. I go to this fit club at somebody's backyard and I have an epic workout. I almost throw up and then that kind of like starts that phase of my life. This workout 
made a big difference because this is where I was introduced to weights. And before this, my only go-to was to run around the block to run long distance running. And that's because that's the first way I ever lost weight when I was 15. So that's the only thing I knew. But when I came to this fit club, they would like use weights and kettlebells and, you know, medicine balls and all these different things. So I was like, oh my gosh, it just opened up my mind like explosion. And it inspired me to get like my first gym membership and to start lifting my first weights and stuff like that. But I still knew nothing. I knew nothing. I hired every personal trainer under the sun and they were all different. A lot of them were bad. And when I say bad, I mean self-centered, thinking about the bottom line, not catering to my specific needs. So if, if you've been trained by me and you see the customization going on, it's because I've had the worst, but I've had good ones. I've, I've had maybe three good ones. The last one was my best one. And she's the one that inspired me to become a personal trainer. So that's again, another story for another day. So this is the beginning of my weight journey, my lifting weights, and I get obsessed, right? CrossFit, personal training, basically going and lifting and again, not really knowing what I'm doing, but the struggle was never the working out. I love working out. I wake up and I'm excited to go to the gym. I know not everybody's like that. I'm sorry about that, but my biggest struggle has always been food always for a little bit there alcohol as well we'll talk about that too I will talk about that in this one because it absolutely has to do with the same negative relationship with food the same negative relationship you have with food you may have with alcohol and I know that because I did so I um I continue to go up and down up and down up and down and finally you know, when I was postpartum with my son is when I started to get it together. And the reason I got it together was because number one, I was very, very patient with my journey this time. And number two, I learned not to diet, but to do an 80-20 lifestyle. So the first thing that you have to do to heal your relationship with food is to just give up the idea that you're going to find this six-week program that's going to make you lose 20 pounds in two weeks or six weeks. The reason being is because, yes, you can, but that shouldn't be the focus. If the focus is the end result, you're not going to stick to the program past the goal. Once you lose 20 pounds, you're going to stop. And you see this. You see this endless cycle. But number two is changing the way you view food because everything starts in the mind and it ends with your mouth, right? You, and when I say that, I don't mean eating. I mean like what you say, this is unhealthy. This is a cheat meal. That's fattening all of these things. And unfortunately that I still hear personal trainers say, and I still see fitness influencers say online, it's not a healthy way of eating. It's not a healthy way of thinking. You cannot let food have that much emotional control over you. For you to say, if I eat this, it's fattening. Let's get to the facts here. The only way you're going to lose fat, the only way, the only way you are going to lose fat is if you are in a calorie deficit meaning you're going to intake less calories than you are exerting, which means you're going to move more than you are eating. 
Food is energy and that's all it is. Okay. The reason we put food in our bodies is because we need fuel. It gives us energy. We burn off these calories to be able to live our daily lives. So if we're putting in more energy than we're exerting, it turns to fat. That's it. Plain and simple. You're putting in more energy than you're burning off. That's when you gain fat. When you're in maintenance, you're simply intaking the same amount that you're exerting. And like I said, calorie deficit just means intaking less than you are exerting. When you understand that, and you understand that food is just a makeup of macros, protein, fats, and carbs. There are more nutrient-dense foods, there are more beneficial foods, there are whole foods, and there are processed foods. The main thing you want to think about, what is this doing for my body? Saying it's fattening is actually completely false. Even if you're talking about a carton full of donuts, that's not fattening. You having a surplus of donuts is going to make the chances of you gaining fat more likely. But the food itself is not fattening. The food itself is not bad or good. It has no emotional or moral compass. It's not going to make you a good or bad person. It doesn't make you any better that you don't eat them. And it doesn't make you any worse that you do eat them. What you want to think about is what the donut is made up of. The donut is made up of carbs and sugar. And that is okay in small doses, not every day, because people take this to the the millionth power and then they say, well, you said I could eat 80-20, so I'm going to eat, the, really, it ends up being like 60-40, right? So you have to really be honest with yourself and you have to be really intentional with what you're eating. But the first part is like stopping the the this narrative of you have to earn your food or that food is fattening or that you deserve a cheat meal. The word cheat itself, it's an emotional, like it's a, a negative emotional thing to say. I am not going to marry my husband and, ha- and tell him, hey, since you were so good to me and so committed to me from Monday through Saturday, on Sunday, you can cheat on me. Definitely no. H-E double hockey sticks, no. Not going to happen, right? Never am I going to look at my husband and say, since you've been so committed to me for the last 20 years, you can cheat on me for a year. No, that's not the way it works. If you don't cheat on your husband, if you don't want your husband cheating on you, why do you want to cheat on your diet? That's cheating on yourself. So let's take the word cheat away and say, I'm going to be flexible 20% of the time. 80%, I'm going to focus on whole foods that are nutritious for my body, that have protein, that have what I'm looking for, that's going to meet my macros, my desired macros, that's going to help me get to my goal. And then 20% of the time, I'm going to be flexible. Now, remember when you counter in this 20%, that includes all processed foods. That includes your protein shakes. That includes your protein bars. What people don't understand is the difference between whole foods and processed food. If you cannot make it in your kitchen, it's a processed food. It's something that was made by something other than two hands. 
It's made with ingredients that are not made or in your kitchen, that are not available in your kitchen, that are not in your garden, that are not in your farm. The only protein bar that is a whole food is like beef jerky. And that's questionable because it might be dried out with some other stuff that you didn't know. So what we need to realize is not food is not good or bad, right? It's not fattening. It's not a cheat meal, but it is either whole foods or processed foods. So you want to shift your thinking and you want to shift your mindset to stop looking at it as this 80s culture that's fattening, don't eat carbs, to let me actually look at the ingredients of this and make sure that when I'm counting in my 80% whole foods, that I'm literally getting my vegetables, my meat, my, I mean, I would even, yeah, dairy, I guess you could say dairy is fine. I think about my 20%, I'm thinking about all of the places that I can't, I can't make this in my kitchen right? All of the foods that I'm putting into my body that are not something that I can make in my kitchen. That's the easiest way to put it. When you start looking at food for what it is, you start learning about food. When you don't know anything about food, you say that's fattening, that's not fattening, this is the diet I'm going to go on, I want this meal plan because this meal plan is going to tell me exactly what to eat and I don't actually know how much food I'm consuming because I'm just following this meal plan and by the end of the day I'm going to go and I'm going to go crazy and binge eat because this meal plan is only 1200 calories, but I didn't know that. So I want you to learn. I can easily, easily, I have experience. I can make you a meal plan. It's illegal because I'm not a registered dietitian, but a lot of personal trainers get away with it. Okay. My certification is in fitness. Okay. Let's just get that clear. My woman's fitness specialist certification allows me to say certain things. Same with my personal training certificate. I can say general nutrition information, but I cannot prescribe you a meal plan. A meal plan is a prescription. Think about when you go and you fill your prescription at the doctor's office. That's what a meal plan is. It's a prescription. I'm prescribing someone with the amount of energy and the amount of protein, all of those things that that person needs to eat in order to survive and still do their workout program and lose weight. Yes, you can get results by that. You can get results by getting somebody to make you a meal plan. And in some instances, like prediabetes or diabetes, it is necessary because you're going, you have higher stakes. If that's not your case, you have the time and the freedom to learn about food. That's what I do with my clients. I encourage an 80-20 lifestyle. I encourage counting your macros and trying to aim for protein really, really trying to aim to hit your protein and understanding how food works in your body. Because what's going to happen is you're going to follow a meal plan by this person that should probably not even be prescribing you a meal plan. And you're going to follow it and you're going to lose weight. You're going to lose weight, I promise you. And then after it's said and done, you're not going to know what to do anymore. You're going to gain the weight back and then you're going to go back and you're going to pay someone else for another meal plan that's going to work for eight weeks, but then you're not going to know what to do. So instead of that, I teach a man to fish. I teach the man to fish. I teach the women to track. I teach the women what whole foods means. I teach the women about gut health. I teach the women about how food works in their body. I teach the women how to focus on protein because protein, and this is something that I'm, it's alarming to me that a lot of people still don't understand. 
protein is going to keep you satiated longer. So you're going to snack less because you're so full from the protein. It's going to help you build muscle, which in turn makes your metabolism a little bit faster. If you have lean muscle in your body, you're going to burn fat at rest. That's why lifting is so amazing. And that's why eating your protein and lifting that balance is going to help your weight loss journey. And that's also why I don't focus on weight loss. I focus on body recomposition. And the only way to measure that is by taking pictures because that's where you're going to see the results. So we're going to change how we view food, how we talk about food. Watch your words, watch your words. Don't say to a room full of women that you had a cheat meal or that you earned your meal because you did cardio today. That's not, you don't earn food. You, it's a, it's a natural part of life. It's energy that you need. You don't have to earn it. Uh, there's no, uh, the only earning there is, is earning money to pay for it. I mean, that's the only earning that you need to do. You don't earn your food. You don't have to punish yourself for eating certain foods. And you don't have to be perfect 100% of the time. If you focus on 80-20, you're able to have that 20% flexibility and say, yes, I ate a donut today. That's okay. That's today, right? Today I ate a donut. It's fine. It is what it is. It's just food. There's no power over me. It doesn't do anything differently for my sense of worth. And tomorrow is a new day and I'm not going to have a donut tomorrow. And that's it. There are people that fit a tiny Snickers in their diet plan or their nutrition plan every single day because that's their treat. That's their 20%. Now, don't try to fit a king size Snickers, three of them in one day every day, because at the end of the day, that's calories. And the reason for that is because fat is going to account for more calories than let's say a protein, a real protein. So learning about food is a huge one starting to view food differently and starting to view yourself differently. Knowing that you are worthy of just living a healthy life, not that you have to be skinny and not that you have to be this or that or perfect or bodybuilder, nothing. You say, I am deserving of a healthy life. I am healthy because I choose these foods that make my body feel good change the conversation instead of saying I cannot eat that I hate when I hate when I hear that I cannot eat that I don't like the way that makes me feel I can eat that donut but I don't really want that donut and I don't like the way it makes me feel so I don't want it and also being okay with like standing up for yourself if you want it have it if you don't don't it sounds like duh Diane but it's not duh I know if your tia makes you her famous tres leches cake and you don't want it and you say no, you feel some type of guilt for not eating it. But if you don't want it and you don't like the way it makes you feel, then don't eat it. It's your body. Be okay and comfortable enough and confident enough to say, I'm okay. I'm I'm, I'm not going to have that today. There's nothing wrong with you defending yourself and your health and your and looking out for yourself and being like, I don't like the way that makes me feel. One thing about me is I fast at night. And this is a gut health topic that we'll talk about, but you shouldn't eat right before bed because your body needs time to digest it. And so I don't. I don't eat after a certain time and I'm very, very strict with that. 
I'm Latin. If I go over to a tia's house or somebody's house and they made dinner and I say no, I, it is absolutely offensive to them. But I have to be strong in what I believe to be true because guess what happens when I eat late? I wake up feeling hungover. I wake up feeling like I drink all night. Like legitimately, my body doesn't like it. My body's used to its rhythm, this circadian rhythm that I have created in my body. It likes this rhythm and it doesn't like being thrown off. And I don't feel good when I do eat too late because then I wake up with a headache and I feel like nauseous. And it's like my body is like, yo, why'd you do that? I don't like that. Like I like when you have your set schedule. Now, obviously, I can't be obsessive if I haven't eaten all day and that's the only thing there is to eat. I'm going to eat it. Best believe I'm going to nourish my body. But if it's an option, like I already ate and I have the ability to eat before, best believe I will do that. It's called being in control and intentional with your body. And I'm very intentional with what I put into my body. And people that know me know that and they probably think it's annoying sometimes. But guess what? I'm going to make sure I have protein at every meal, even if that means throwing chicken on something that doesn't have protein, even if that means taking a protein shake with me just so I can have protein in that meal. I'm going to have a protein with every meal. I'm going to make sure that I hit my macros, not exactly, but at least focused on the protein and the total intake. And I'm going to make sure I don't eat right before I go to sleep. And that's my prerogative. I'm allowed to do that because it's my body. And I learned to be this way. I learned to be this intentional. I learned to prioritize my health. And let me tell you something. The body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. You want to wrap it up and put it with a nice bow? God did not give us these bodies to destroy them. He did not give us his body for us to have no discipline, for us to have no idea what we're putting in our bodies, for us to just be willy-nilly about everything. Absolutely not. There are so many times in the Bible that talks about discipline, about being in control of what you are putting into your body. It's absolutely there. It's absolutely there. You having the the control, the self-control to say, no, I already ate this, this, and this. I don't need this too. It, it's about being intentional and loving yourself enough to say, I'm good. Another part of healing your relationship with food is understanding when you are eating emotionally and when you are eating for actual hunger. Because we're so emotionally attached to food as a society. This is a societal thing. Think about birthdays and any celebration. You think about there's going to be food and the food is not usually a nutrient dense meal or whole foods. It's usually like cake and cookies and alcohol, which are all not beneficial for you. So you're attaching these dopamine filled foods to, you know, your stress relief or your happiness or your anger or whatever it is. So then we grow up as children knowing that when we celebrate things, we eat, right? And so we're attaching the food to the emotion. And then we think, okay, well, if we eat when we're happy, we also eat when we're sad. We also eat when we're mad. We also eat when we're stressed. And then it's this never ending cycle of us trying to do something internally with this outside substance, trying to cure things or fix things or put a band-aid solution with 
a cake. There's nothing, there's no difference. I mean, obviously there's some differences, but there's no difference between eating a piece of cake because you're stressed out and drinking a drink because you're stressed out. Like obviously one's going to make you drunk and one's not, but they're both not beneficial to you. They're both not going to solve your problems. They're both not the answer to your stressor. Like I say, Kanye said, what's worse, the stress or the pain or the hangover is the same idea. It's the same idea. If we eat the cake, yeah, like in the moment, we're going to feel this dopamine hit, right? Because these foods are meant to like spike our dopamine. It like feels good in the moment. And then afterwards, we're like, why did I eat that? I feel so guilty. But that's because we're already going in trying to heal an emotion with food. Food. It's supposed to fuel us. It's supposed to fuel us. And so it's also identifying, like, am I hungry or am I bored? Am I hungry or am I mad? Am I hungry or am I stressed? Am I hungry or am I tired? I don't know how to identify the difference. And you'll see that when you're stressed, tired, angry, all of those things, when you usually, what you usually go for is more of a craving than a hunger, right? So the difference between a craving and hunger is that a craving is something specific. Like I really want this such as cake and a craving will get you out of bed. A craving will get you off the couch. Hunger is something that's a physical need. It'll make you, your stomach rumble. It'll make you fatigued. It'll make you have a headache, but you'll eat anything when you're hungry. You're, it doesn't matter what it is. You're like, oh yes, sure. Vegetables. I'm hungry. Right? So we have to understand that there's a difference between cravings and hunger, right? Craving is more of an emotional thing. If you want to get really deep in it, cravings are created by memories. So Mailita was an amazing everything. She used to make tres leches cake. And so every time I have tres leches cake, I think about her. I've created this neural pathway to Mailita if you think about a hiking trail, hiking trails created because a bunch of people walk through the path and created a path, right? But you can do that anywhere. It doesn't have to be specifically that route from here to here, right? You can get to the same place in different ways, but we've created this path to get from A to B and that's the hiking trail. It's the same thing with your neural pathways, with your brain. If I'm, cre- I am creating this pathway with Tres leches cake and a really fond memory of me and my Lita that equates to happiness. That equates to me wanting tres leches cake because I want to feel happy. Maybe I'm not feeling great. Maybe I'm having a bad day. Maybe I'm stressed. So me wanting tres leches cake, specifically a craving because I'm like mad, sad or whatever, it's making me search for that dopamine hit, that, that, that happiness. I'm searching for happiness. So do I have to go and drop everything and have the tres leches cake Or can I search for dopamine in taking a walk, in getting some sunshine, in reading a good book, in singing, in dancing, in going to the gym? Like there's so many other things I can do that are going to give me that same dopamine, but that's not going to be a rush of dopamine or a rush of sugar, this this feeling that I'm searching for, right? And it's not going to make me feel guilty at the end of the day, right? And it's not about never having tres leches cake again. Again, I still like eat tres leches whenever I do eat it. And I'm like, oh my gosh, it reminds me of my Lita. And it's an amazing memory. And I just think of me being a little girl and sitting there and watching her make it. But that is not, the, the, it's not bringing my Lita, right? 
number one. Number two, there's ways to get that same dopamine hit that are a little bit healthier to you and helping you navigate like, am I hungry or am I searching for happiness? Am I hungry or do I need a break? Am I hungry or do I need a nap? Naps are bomb and they're underrated, okay? Maybe you need a nap. And and this goes, you know, you have to be very intentional. There's a difference between intentional and present, right? So we need to be both. Intentional means we are planning something ahead of time. So I am planning to eat the such as because, you know, it fits in my macros today, right? Not every day is going to be like that, but let's just say today I'm like, I have all my protein hit. I have this many calories left. I'm going to have the such as cake. I'm being intentional with that. Present means being present in the moment, right? So when we're eating, slowing down and like thinking, even being present before you make a decision, like, am I going to the kitchen because I'm stressed out or am I going to the kitchen because I'm really hungry? And so like deciding that and navigating through that is going to help you heal your relationship with food because now you're so aware of what you're doing. And when you're aware and intentional and present, you don't have the guilt after because you've already gone through this. You've already thought about like, what am I going to do? Why am I doing it? And then let me give myself grace. So now the guilt is gone. Now you can eat it, track it and move on with your life. Let us heal and let us be intentional. Take what you, take what you want from it and leave what you don't. And I will catch you guys on the flip side. Thank you.